if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 164. This is our 2021 Betfred British Masters and AT&T Byron Nelson Tips and Picks episode. Barry O'Hanrahan and Paul Williams join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's European Tour and PGA Tour action. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gambler aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor models. And they're all available. It's completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We're available on Twitter. Paul is at, at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. You can also listen to this podcast on there. So if you are listening on YouTube, please like the show and sub- subscribe to the channel. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Any reviews coming through this week, of course, I will read out on next week's PGA Championship show, which is sure to get a huge listenership. Now, Got some got some quick fire ones this week. Uh, first one entitled "Great Show," five stars. I love the show. The host reminds me of a cheesy seventies DJ. Keep the good work up, <laughs> and that is from B A Golf Five in Great Britain. Uh, That's definitely so. a compliment. A nostalgia <laughs> moment, like yeah, yeah. I like that a lot, Steve. Seventies DJ. Would that be someone like Kenny Everett? Or? Jimmy Savile, I'm not going down there. Right. Oh, Steve, next one. No. <laughs> every week, yeah. Every week, four stars on this one. Uh, listen to this every week for the stats and breakdown. Um, have a drink every time they say the word clearly, and that is double bogey Dan in Great Britain. Ooh, which one of us is that? Because I think I do the obviously too much, and one of you lads must do the clearly too much. There's a clear, yeah. There's a clearly, there's an obviously, and I always I say interesting. It's hard to avoid the verbal ticks when you're just doing things off the fly mm. without a script. It just, they just they naturally kick in. But uh, yeah, we try, we try. Last one, brilliant podcast, five stars, great listen every week, great insights, great banter, great tips, and that's from Davy Boy, nineteen sixty six, and he's in Great Britain. Lovely stuff. Well, thanks all three of you for your comments. Very much appreciated as ever. I know Barry's got a life and he needs to be finished quite quickly this week. So, let's quick quickly talk about last week. He's back. 
He's definitely back. Um, it came. We we saw it coming. I didn't tip him up. But he did win. And that was Rory McIlroy. But I know that McIlroy's back, but you're back as well, Paul. You yeah. cracked Garrick Hicko at 12 to 1. Yeah, yeah. He was um, well, he was completely dominant in the end, wasn't he? He's, uh, that that is an incredibly talented kid we've got on our hands there, I think. Three wins now since, what, June, July last year when he won his first one um, over in the Open de Portugal. Um, yeah. And uh, up to, well, 51st in the world ranking now, so he's just knocking on the door of that top 50, but he'll get there and... Uh, He'll be a feature in a lot of tournaments to come. He's got such an aggressive um, attitude and such a uh, such a capable game. It's very good to watch. And uh, he was never really in tra- trouble, was he, um, no. on Sunday? Always helps when you throw a throw an ace in there. In fact, two of my players got holding one last week, which uh, I, first time I can remember that happening in the past. But. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, no, really pleased to get him over the line. Adrian Else um, squeezed into the places, um, well, for a part, part place payout as well. So I got a bit back on him, um, despite making a quad on Saturday, which uh, which took him out of the winning equation at that point. Two shots clear he was at that point, and then uh, obviously looked up at the leaderboard, decided that was a little bit too too much for him, and. Uh, was suddenly playing five off the tee on the par five, but uh, but no, recovered a little bit. And uh, that's a good nine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a bad nine in the end. But, uh, so you've you've had two winners in the past four weeks. It's amazing how this stuff turns around, isn't it? Yeah, again, we kind of preach the same thing, don't we? It's patience in this game because you can hit the crossbar a lot. You can go bad runs, can't you? Where you're literally getting nowhere near it, or you're. You know, you're sitting there and you're, you're producing tied ninths and tied elevenths, and it's uh, you're like banging your head against a brick wall. And then you get a couple of wins, and it all feels uh, all feels better again. There's a couple of um, a couple of people I wanted to mention actually. Brody on Twitter who sent us a screenshot of his each way double that he did on um, on Rory and Garrick Higo. Um, very well done, Brody. And, Kay, and Craig Cooper on our Facebook group did the same double off a five pound free bet. So. Um, didn't even have to invest oh, anything. That's beautiful. If you if you can nail that is, a, that is an ouch moment for that bookmaker. <laughs> if you can wow. nail a transatlantic double off of a free bet, then hats off. Very that's well Nevada, done. Well, well done. Yeah, absolutely. Well done to both Brody and Craig for your wins last week. And uh, if you do get any big wins like that, do send them over to us because it's always yeah. good to. Uh, Good to see people and good to uh, to celebrate success of our listeners and uh, and readers as well. Our news reminded me. Um, oh, congratulations, by the way. I mean, two wins in four weeks is fantastic. I see that your P P and L's looking a lot healthier. <laughs> Finally, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I need to follow you somehow. Um, we need. Uh, it's funny what you said there about T nines and stuff like that. Um. We both had 36-hole leaders this week. And Arnous didn't feel overly comfortable, did he, on Saturday with the lead. Um, you can say the same about Matt Wallace, who I had as a tied leader going into Saturday. And I think he shot four over on the first 10 holes on Saturday. And, you know, as per usual, I'm holding my head in my hands, wondering what I've done to deserve this. But on Wallace's side, I, I thought he showed great maturity, actually. He righted the ship. And I think, again, a lot of this must be Gareth Lord, the caddy. Righted the ship, 
played uh, the last eight holes with uh, six pars and two birdies to turn plus four into plus two, which isn't a total disaster, still in the top ten. And then he showed that fighting spirit that we've been mentioning on podcasts now for a long time. And that's why I think Wallace will hang around. I think he he's an outside chance for a Ryder Cup spot. Feels like um, he's building, doesn't it? It yes. feels like he's building to something. He's driving, is he? He's moving forward. Yeah. Little adding, it, just adding a piece to the puzzle every week. Yep. Absolutely. So I, I was, I thought Wallace's performance was excellent. I really did. Um, but we're going back to this tied ninth point. I had Bubba Watson in sixth spot, fifty-five to one, with two holes to go on Sunday, and I'm thinking, wow. I could actually end up, yeah, okay, Rory, didn't pick Rory. I've been preaching Rory for months on podcasts, didn't pick him. Fair enough, get that. But I can end up here with two each-way payouts at 55 and 66 to 1. Great. And he then goes triple-double to close, Bubba. (laughs) I mean, you can't, you just can't, what can you do? And I know those holes were playing tough. the The 16th, 17th and 18th were the hardest holes on the golf course Sunday at Quail Hollow. They were tough, but that's no excuse to go five over on your last two holes. That's co- that cost him a lot of dollars and a lot of FedEx Cup points. Yeah, yeah, no, frustrating. I know you were on him. I was on him as well. I saw lots of, um, lot of people on Twitter who were on him as well. And uh, it's, it's mad, isn't it? You, you know, it's such a painful game when that happens because you, you sit there for, for the best part of four days watching your player get himself into a contending position or a position to give you a decent profit on an each-way bet and then in the space of 20 minutes it's all gone down the pan so Rory great to see him back in the winner's circle his favorite golf course on the planet we kind of ummed and ahed on the pod last week about him I know that you invested you were very quick on Friday I know that for a fact Paul because you were telling us that was it after a couple of the early birdies you managed to back him at twenty two to one on Betfair exchange. Yeah, well, twenty uh, twenty one it was. So, so for yeah, the, for the PGA Championship, for the PGA, and um, I, yeah, after he continued, I got him at eighteen to one as well, a little bit further down. So, I've got a couple of investments for him for next week. Next week, which um, we, yeah, given, given how he played in the end, I'm I'm quite pleased with. Both win only, but. Um, so be Doesn't it. So, no, no, he's now down to what ten to one. So um, he's going to go off favourite for that, particularly with DJ having withdrawn this week, which I'm sure you'll get into shortly. Um, but that is going to make Rory the clear favourite, I think, for for the PGA Championship at Kiwa Island, and uh, and quite rightly so, given his uh, previous form there. And with, with, I mean, we've we've talked at length about Rory, haven't we? And those weeks where he finds it, where he finds his form. Um, I typically coincide with a week where he just nails every putt. And I saw a stat yesterday where he'd made 52 from 52 putts inside six feet. That was awesome. That's bad, isn't it? Yeah. And it's not the first time we've seen him do that and go go and turn whatever form he's in into something positive, a winning performance from uh, from a performance with a flat stick uh, that complements his normal strong tee to green game. Notwithstanding the uh, the eighteenth hole on Sunday, of course. Steve, you might be able to dig into this. Actually, just a quick one on Rory's putting. Like, do, does he put? Does he have better putting performances when the greens are fast, like they were, or does? I, was- I think so. Yeah. Um, I tweeted on Monday. You can't split in between bent grass and Bermuda grass. They're exactly six wins apiece on each. Mm. Um, he's also got, I think, three on bent power, and clearly he's got one on pass. But Kira Island, so it isn't a surface thing with Rory. Um, speed potentially yes 
We said as well last week about Quell. It was one of those. It's one of those um, venues where strokes gain putting is more powerful to a certain extent than strokes gain tee to green. And this week he was ninth for tee to green, one point nine five um, strokes gained per round, and he's putting. He was third in the field for putting. And unlike previous winners, the strokes game putting metric didn't outscore tee to green, but even so, it was still 1.74 strokes game putting per round. And the only other guy in the top, uh, and the only other guys in the top five for strokes game putting last week in the top ten were Bryson DeChambeau, who was second for strokes game putting. There's a note for people, and Satoshi Kodaira, who. It was nice to see his name towards the top of a leaderboard. I mean, if you're looking for a completely alien track to Satoshi Kodaira, who's struggling to bang it 290 yards, it's Quail Hollow. So again, that's one for the notepad. Kodaira on a shorter course coming up somewhere. Um, I can see that. Bermuda, I mean, you could see someone like Satoshi Kodaira going very well at Sedgefield for the Wyndham Championship. Mm. He owes us one. That's yeah, sure. he, owes you, he owes you two one, that's for certain. Okay, um, I'll just quickly run through the PGA Championship betting to clarify that. I'm, t- I'm picking odds from Paddy Power. Roy McIlroy's the 10 to 1 favourite. We then have three at 12 to 1. Justin Thomas, John Rahm and Dustin Johnson, who's just withdrawn with a knee complaint at the Byron Nelson. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau at 14s. And then we've got our boy Xander Chauflay at 16s with Brooks Kepka. And I've also missed, our apologies, um, Jordan Spieth at 14. So he's the same price as DeChambeau. Kepka 16, Chauflay 16s. And then we're out to the 25s. Colin Morikawa, Hideki Matsuama, Patrick Cantlay, who I wouldn't touch with yours at the moment, and Victor Hovland. The Pasp King. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll state this right now. There's no way, shape or form that Victor Hovland won't be in my tips next week. Yeah, <laughs> I know. How can you not? He's playing unbelievable golf at the moment. <clears throat> How would you, Barry, and we'll move on to the... Uh, we'll, one last question. I'll throw this one to Barry before the Betfred British Masters. Um, How would you relate Victor Hovland's game to Rory McIlroy back in 2012? When he won the PGA Championship at Kiara Island, oh, they're God. very they're very similar, aren't they? They've th- got to be. I think there's just a freedom in Hovland's game that was there when Rory was at that. And without being specific on anything at all, it's just it seems like there's a freedom and just an enjoyment in what he's doing, and kind of a, a care. I love his reactions to setbacks on the course. He just kind of shrugs it off and gets on with it, um, and. There's a lot to be said for uh, having short-term memory loss in golf, you know, for these guys. You have a setback and just carry on. So, I, Hovland's just, yeah, popped into my head over the weekend, went on to the shortlist for uh, PGA Championship review. Sixth for off the tee, 20th for approach. He was um, neutral for around the green, which is his weakness. That's good for him. Se- yep, seventh for tee to green and 13th for putting. Yeah. So Hovland, Hovland is he's just there. Has to be in the team. His two wins on the PGA Tour have both been on Paspalum greens 
on coastal golf courses. Just, it's just there, isn't it, really? I mean, they should all just have a drink party for the week and not play. Just give him the PGA <laughs> Championship. Or just let him and Rory go head-to-head. We have, uh, you know, and, and also 28-1, to 1, we have, you know, that isn't, for a first-time major winner, that isn't, a, that isn't a ridiculously low price that, you, you know, you've been constantly getting on John Rahm, who hasn't won his first major. That 20, 28, 25 to one's kind of low, but it's ballparky. Um, well, if, if Matt Sorrell was 35s, wasn't he, when he won the Masters yeah. a few weeks ago? Yeah, if the money keeps coming in for Rory, um, as the bookies push their final markets out for next week, you might find you get a little bit more on that as well. You think so? Yeah, think maybe. So. You might get 33s. I think you'll get 33s, 35s on Cantley, but I don't see Victor's mo- moving anywhere north. We shall see. The bookmakers know. Um, they, they don't want to take money on him, I don't think. Right, we have European Tour action in the United Kingdom this week. We have the Betfred British Masters. Just to highlight from the very top, Betfred, the tournament sponsors, have gone 10 places each way of 50 odds at their own Betfred British Masters this week. So well worth a look at that particular market. If you haven't got a Betfred account, of course, you can open one with or via golf betting system. Bet £10, get £30 in free bets, plus 60 free spins available for those 18-plus in the UK via golf betting system with Betfred. Full terms and conditions, of course, available on our website. Over to you, Paul. Yes, thank you. Um, Danny Willett's is this year's host. It hops about a bit this, this event, doesn't it? So we get a different host, different hosting duties, different venues each year. But this year we've got Danny Willett. Um, he's hosting this year's renewal at the Belfry. Um, clearly, we've seen the Belfry. Clearly. <laughs> Where do you think it comes it's from? It's me. It's me. I've, I've, I've realised it's me. Um, the data for the Belfry is on the website. So we've got two sets of data if you're trying to look into this um, event. We've got... Um, associated data for the Belfry where we had the UK Championship last year and some older um, British Masters events plus we've got the British Masters events as well which have run at various venues over the last few years as well so you've got two choices of ways to look at it so uh, do check out the data on the website this week um, but we're at the uh, at the Belfry it starts on Wednesday so do pay it better in mind if you're having a bet those players who are playing at the Belfry and are getting across to Keel Island are being given an extra day's grace. So get your bets on before the Wednesday start over here in the UK. Um, you know, there's a lot of players that are playing over in Keel Island um, next week. Well, there's, a, there's a few in this week's field. And um, I, I guess that's left us with some players who've chosen to have the week off, some players that are playing over in your event, Steve, over in the US, and um, a few of the players that are over here um, it still left us with a decent enough field, perhaps not one that you would expect or want for a British Masters, but, but good enough, I guess. Um, Bob McIntyre's the favourite this week, 14-1. to 1. Uh, Martin Keimer, 18-1. Bernd Wiesberger, 18-1. Sam Horsfield, 22. Same price, Rasmus Hogard. The host, Danny Willits, 28-1. Dean Bermestri won a couple of weeks back, 28-1. to 1. 
Then we've got the likes of Matthias Schwab, Thiobo and Olsen, 30 to 1 and 33 to 1 bar those players. And as Steve said at the top just a second ago, do check out the prices on Betfred there. Stand out this week, um, 10 blazers each way, and there are some decent prices left on a few of the players in the field. They, uh, they haven't been shy as well. They've got a few like market-leading prices or at least market-leading tied prices with the 10 yeah. bases. So, yeah, fair play to them. Yeah, uh, there's some good stuff there. It, it looked to me very much like they put their regular market out just with 10 places to... Uh, to, to attract punters into their into their brand, which um, given they're the, the the lead sponsors for this event, is absolutely the right thing to do and, and should be applauded. I think. I took advantage the, of a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 of of my four, which I'll go into in a, in a few minutes. Um, two of mine with with Betfred as well, and uh, they were at the time tied uh, or or standout best price as well as the ten places. So can't knock it really. Um, the track this week's the Brabazon Course at the Belfry. It's hosted four Ryder Cups over the years. We, we, we know it relatively well, particularly for, for people who've been on and around the circuit for a while, um, as well as the European Tour events that uh, I mentioned before. We've got the UK Championship, which was hosted here last year, post-lockdown. We've also got a number of British Masters events um, in the early part of this century as well, from 2000 to 2008, give or take. There's a, there's a few events there to look at in this week's data. And uh, I listened to a, a Danny Willett interview last night. He was talking about how, really, the, the track hasn't fundamentally changed since the since the last Ryder Cup here in 2002. They've added a few tee boxes here and there. It's, it's now up to 7,300 yards, which par was 72. Um, but it's still fundamentally the um, the, the test that we uh, that we saw 20 years ago, I guess. Uh, slightly different to last week, um, well, very different to last week in that it's got uh, three par threes, three par fives, and 12 par fours. So um, uh, kind of the antithesis of last week's, I guess, in terms of the uh, in terms of the way it sets up. Uh, bent power greens as well, and the greens tend to favour those players who aren't quite as adept with the flat stick as uh, some other tracks. So. Um, I'm expecting to see um, yeah, quite a different um, kind of look and feel to the to, to the event to, com- compared to last week or the last last few weeks over in the Canary Islands at least. For me, this is a good tee to green test where anything into double figures under par has got a chance coming into Sunday. It's it's kind of your classic mid score range for me, Steve. This uh, this this track this week. And if you look back historically, um, winning scores, go back to 2000, um, Jose Maria Lathabel won at 13 under, uh, Henrik Stenson won at 13 under the year after 2001, Angel Cabrera won here at 10 under in 2002, Paul Casey at 11 under, uh, Johan Edfors at 11 under in 2006, Lee Westwood 15 under 2007. Gonzalo Fernandez Castaño, 1200 in 2008, and Rasmus Hogard at the UK Championship last year won at 14 under. So um, even as a par 72, the scoring doesn't get away from uh, no. from the course here. It's, it's a good, solid test, I think. Chowery uh, kind of spring-like conditions expected over here in the UK. Light winds, 60 Fahrenheit. Um, we may get some uh, thunder and lightning. I've seen on the forecast quite recently um, some heavy showers. So there might be a couple of brief interruptions to play, but nothing serious, I don't think. 
And for me, ball striking's the key here. You look back to Rasmus's win last year and four of the top six in that uh, final leaderboard um, ranked inside the top six for greens and regulation on the week. Um, and as I said, the greens are fairly easy. And they do they do tend to favour those players who um, aren't the best of putters. And when you see the names like Lee Westwood, um, Paul Casey, Henrik Stenson having one here, Gonzalo Fernandez-Castaño... Yeah, and that tells you Cabrera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, so the, it's the, a great winners list here, isn't it? At this venue, it is. Yeah, yeah it's and it, yeah, it, it tells you that it's it's not about isn't it? It's not a putting contest by any stretch. And again, if you look back at Rasmus's win, um, the I've picked the top four players um, through the line. Rasmus was fourth for strokes gained approach. Martin Keimer, who finished third, was second for strokes gained approach. Benjamin Hebert, who was also tied third, he was first for strokes gained approach back in this UK Championship event um, last autumn. So that's kind of the approach I've taken this week. Um, yeah, other than that, you've not got a great deal to go on, I don't think. You've only got last year's event in the kind of immediate recent future, uh, recent past. Um, of course, event history is patchy. And even if you look at the winners here, those the list of those names that I read through a second ago, then their previous um, efforts at the Belfry don't really suggest that, um, that the course history is anything massive to go on. So I've not got hung up on those players who've played in the past. Um, I've not suggested that they've needed a, a kind of a sparkling Belfry record. Um, having said all that, the player that I've picked at the top, I've gone with four, I've pulled it all down to four players. The, players that I've, the player that I've picked at the top of the... Uh, Top of the preview this week, my main bet is Rasmus Hogard, um, who I got a twenty-two to one. He was he'd been tipped up just before I put my preview out, so his prices were tumbling um, massively. But I got twenty-two to one. There's still a little bit of twenty-two to one about Rasmus. Um, and you know, if you if you look through these these players here, a number of the front runners really will have half an eye on Kiwa Island. And Rasmus just slipped out last week. He's just slipped outside the top one hundred of the world ranking so by my estimation when they put that final field together which we should be getting any day soon shouldn't we yeah. um he shouldn't qualify for the um for the uspga championship because traditionally it's been the top 100 in the world rankings and then they go into this um, pga tour money list to, to top up the numbers from there yeah so, they do yeah so i think he's 101st or 103rd wow. now after last week so um, having been kind of on the cusp for a number of weeks he's just slipped out which has got to be a massive disappointment to him um, mm. But I guess also it could act as uh, act as a decent motivator. Um, he was second in this event last year behind Renato Paratori over at Close House, and and that that uh, result there kickstarted a run of form that saw him finish sixth for the Hero Open, third at the English Championship, and then he won here at the Belfry, uh, beating Justin Walters in a playoff. You may remember heartbreak for Walters, but uh, you know we've we've seen that the. Uh, promise that we've got from Erasmus Hogard or both the Hogard brothers in fact as uh, you know uh, I guess something that uh, we're going to see more and more of over the next few years and actually it's been his twin brother Nikolai who's been more prominent recently from what we've seen over in the European tour Erasmus has been over in the US um, hasn't quite worked out in the US but perhaps that bit of sibling rivalry will spur him on as well he's seen his brother at the top of a couple of leaderboards or there and thereabouts over the last few weeks the last time we saw Rasmus, he was 12th over in Austria. Another tr tricky test. Another test that I'd correlate quite nicely to this this one over here at the Belfry. Kind of similar winning scores, similar demand on a player. Um, 
and I, I think that uh, that that forms much more relevant than a couple of missed cuts. One of which was in the pairs pairs event over in the Zurich Classic. Um, the other one over at the Valspar, I think. Uh, it'll come back to Europe. It's a different um, a different feeling, a different um, a, a different level. And also, he's got that positive course form to pull, fall back on from last year. So, I think he can become that sixth multiple post lockdown winner this week. It's been a, a real trend, a real. A real glut of players winning two or three post-lockdown titles over in the European Tour. So Rasmus can add his name to that list, I think, this week. Uh, so Rasmus at the top. Um, I've also gone with Andrew Johnston. I've gone with Beef. Um, he played very nicely last week for a tie for fourth over in Tenerife. And that was on a track that I really wouldn't have expected him to perform well on. I've got Beef down as a much more... Um, I guess a player who's much more suited to trickier tests. I mean, you look back, he won at Valderrama at one over par. He was a playoff loser to Matt Wallace in India a few years back. And that's normally a target score of around about 10 under to win that. So not dissimilar to this. Um, Yet we saw him last week finishing a tie for fourth. He made a a whole stack of birdies. He was 16th for strokes gained approach, 7th for strokes gained tee to green, 6th for strokes gained off the tee. And that's ideal preparation for this. Uh, third for driving accuracy as well, 11th for greens and regulation. Very, very strong. Um, this Again, not getting hung up on um, previous course form. This is his competitive debut here. Um, but he's done some charity gigs here in the past. He's did, he did that beef and beefy um, charity gig with Ian Botham a few years back as well. So he's seen the course, he's played the course. And he's got a very solid record on UK soil as well, on English soil. So... Um, Beef, 40 to 1, quite happy to go in with him. And for a, a similar kind of logic um, for players who played well or have played well recently in birdie fests but are more suited to, to kind of more exact, exacting tests. Um, I've also gone with Max Kiefer at 66 to 1, um, which I thought was quite a nice surprise for a player who's finished runner-up in two of his last three events. Um, and then, okay, there's another player who should enjoy this test on debut, I think. Um Playoff defeat to John Catlin in Austria. We were on Catlin, so that didn't bother us at all. But that's got to have hurt Kiefer. You know, he thought he'd won that at least once, probably twice in the playoff um, over the course of those five holes, but it didn't quite work. Um, bounced back immediately, finished second behind Garrick Higo in Gran Canaria when Higo won the first of his two events over the recent past few weeks. Shot 22 under that week. And again, that, that's that's not Kiefer's game for me. That's you know He's much more of a... A grinder, but he's um, he's still learning. He's still adapting. He ranked first and second for strokes gained tee to green in those two weeks. So his long game, which I think is going to marry up very nicely with this, is working very very nicely. Uh, he, ran, he ran out of steam eventually. The, the first Tenerife event, the, the the event that I backed him in, clearly that's when he ran out of steam. But um, yeah, the following week off should be nice and refreshed here now. And uh, he's got a decent enough record um, in Great Britain and Ireland over the years. He's got t- um, top tens uh, dotted most around most of those uh, locations, um, including sick for the Forest of Arden last year as well, post-lockdown. So lots to like with Max Kiefer for me. But 66 to 1. Uh, finally, Jack Senior, 125 to 1. Um, I guess... You look through some of the longer prices, and he was the one that stood out most to me. Um, 
he's a player who's progressing nicely on the European tour, and I think he could be approaching that breakthrough that he needs. Fourth at the South African Open last year is his strongest um, effort on the European tour to date, but we've seen him second into Sunday in Qatar recently. He finished eighth in Gran Canaria, and he's clearly getting closer to a win for me. If you look at his four career wins, two on the Euro Pro, Euro Pro Tour, two on the Challenge Tour, all of them came in Great Britain and Ireland. All of them came between five under and 16 under, so no massive birdie fest in there. They're all kind of this um, this. this trickier to mid-score type of range as well and that marries up with his game he's got a strong tee to green green game that's the foundation for his uh, for his play and he's also got some practical experience at the belfry um, you go back to the Euro Pro tour back in 2014 he led by three going into the final day here back in 2014 he eventually lost out on the final hole he made double bogey on the final hole which um, which left him a shot outside the playoff and uh, clearly disappointment for him um, but he's won four times since. He won a couple of times, very quick succession after that. So clearly learned um, how to get his head around that uh, quite quickly. And um, yeah, he should become here four wins under his belt since that point. Should be should be much better equipped to uh, to move things forward. Morecambe um, man, he's uh, one of those who should be quite comfortable on home soil. I think this week. So so yeah, they're they're my four senior Kiefer beef. And Rasmus Hogard. Who's your, who's your fade of the week? This, this is this is what you know. Clearly, we know that the list, the listeners are all over your bets at the moment because you're in such a winning record. Well, who's your fade of the week? I tell you what. I tell you what I do. Um, you you two can tell me who you fancy, but I'll have a look at the fade of the week. The reason I don't <laughs> tend to think about this, my, my mind works in some in a kind of a positive way, and the negatives just disappear to the side. So I really I don't that. tend to have it at the forefront of mind. So go, you talk about who you, who you fancy, well, and I'll, I'll have a quick flick through my stats and see if I can... Barry, look. I hate the fade of the week too, because it's the antithesis of what we're trying to achieve. And so... Well, the, listeners, the listeners have asked for it, so we oh, will deliver. Who, who are you yeah. backing then? Who are you backing, I, I've, I've backed Kiefer as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the idea that the, you know, the conditions could be a little bit similar to Austria. Yeah. So just a quick refresher in the brain about where how good he was playing that week and the how messy a par three is for a playoff hole. Don't like him. But anyway, look, he can hopefully he can bounce back. Uh, a couple of others. Adrian Maronk has He's playing well, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, he had a 15th and a third before a miscut last week. So hopefully he had a nice weekend off on the islands and uh Comes back in and goes okay here. So I've taken him 10 places and also took a little outsider on Man- Richard Mansell, who has had uh, 28th, 56th, 42nd, and 12th last week. So hoping he just trends a little bit uh, sharper this week. I noticed Niall was played well last week, didn't he? He did, yeah. And I didn't back him. I left him, I let him go last week. I completely forgot to back him. So that kind of sucked and I also backed Rory first round leader and not outright I just got greedy price focused mm-hmm. on the first round leader and uh, yeah so but delighted to see Rory win and uh, happy kind of I guess shut the critics up a little bit um, and also for Harry as well I think Harry Diamond was brilliant with him on, uh, on the final hole oh, yeah it's just yeah, great so calm talked him through it and came up with a Brilliant decision and executed very well by Rory. So that was a that ball. I mean, it could have ended up in a far worse position, but 
where it oh, actually it landed. It was, it was a nightmare, wasn't it? No, and you could see, you could see you could see it happening as well. If he took it on, he just like slam it into the, the bank, the other side of the uh, the creek he was in. So, with Kira Island in mind, that was the only downside I saw about Rory's play last week. He was seven, He was he only hit nineteen of fifty six fairways. He was and trying to smash that's, corners. That's, though, that's wasn't a he? that's a problem at Kira Island. Yeah, but he was, there is fe- there is fescue everywhere. I wonder if he'll be a little bit uh, more reserved next week he in did. terms of he was being yeah. super aggressive off the tee. Yeah, he did average 325, which would suggest he was close to his maximum on every shot with he, the driver. He, he was going for, yeah, just cutting these corners and accepting that he'd be maybe off the fairway to either side, but yeah. miles down. Yeah, DeChambeau is the same. My, uh, uh, my angle here for the Belfry, the British Masters... Paul said about ball striking. Paul said about greens and regulation. I've got a player here who in the field was, uh, I'm seeing GIR marks out of his last four, seventh and he actually topped GIR at the Gran Canaria event. Matthias Swab. We know he can't putt, but Swab on a golf course in Northern Europe, he's Austrian, of course. I think the conditions won't phase him. Um, to be able to just play a, a, a you know a a tree line partland golf course in northern Europe you know and he's coming in with form of seventh seventh eight thirty three um, I think Swab at uh, twenty eight to thirty to one with Treble Eight Sporter he's available at with more places at twenty eight or twenty five so I think Swab will be the player of my choice this week at yeah. the Belfry. He's certainly got the, the right game, and uh, statistically, um, I can't scrub him from the list. So, um, I, I couldn't put anyone off if you fancy that this will be the week that he gets that uh, he gets that breakthrough. The the player, without going too deep down the list, the player that I've deliberately swerved is Danny Willett. Um, he's the same kind of price as Schwab. I think he's twenty eight to one. So, so he's your fade of the he's your fade of the week. Yeah, yeah. The the hosts for these events haven't done overly well, and I think the. You know the the burden on the hosts to to you know for the interviews and for the um, for all the duties that are associated with it at the British Masters does add an extra element to uh, to to the task. And to be fair, Danny's not been playing his best of uh, best of golf either. So so I've left him alone. So if if, if we're going to call him my fade of the week, then that's Danny Willett. Yes, Paul, I want to just flash this past you. So a part of the reason I chose Moronk and Mansell was my logic was get guys who are very good off the tee, have good strokes gained off the tee, which will give them lots of opportunities to take on this golf course when it probably won't be playing too firm and fast. So I was trying to just guys get into position. So Moronk is seventh in strokes gained off the tee and Mansell is ninth in strokes gained off the tee. So it was kind of a matching of that with price as well. That was, that was my logic. No, no, I, Mansell, when I started doing my preliminary work for this last week, Mansell was um, was very high up on my um, my list. Um, as to how he'll react after last week, because he had a great chance last week and um, and, and kind of drifted away. Um, and that will work one or two ways, I guess. It'll, it'll either motivate him or it'll, um, you know, he'll be disappointed with it. Mansell wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me to see him around the first round lead. He's... he's Got off to decent starts recently as well, so he'll be one that I'll be considering for a first round lead. And of course, one of these weeks, um, he'll get off to a fast start and he'll maintain it for the four 
four rounds. He's he's, he's a capable capable guy, I think. And didn't he finish? I think he finished second back at um, was it the Euro Bank Open back last year, something like that. I think he's he's got some decent uh, decent enough form and uh, and seems to be getting closer. And uh, as you say, got the game to suit as well. And uh, Moronk played well back in, uh, in the Canary Islands, didn't he? So um, I can understand your uh, angle of attack on yeah. both. Okay, yeah. it's just sometimes I have. You have thoughts and you just go with them and then you look for the rationale but you're after it. This is that situation. So That's the thing with this game, Barry. You can always build a decent narrative one way or the other. I know. Too easy. Too many too many guys you can pick out. Uh, do you need a fade of the week from me, Steve, or can we just abuse Paul if he fails? We'll just abuse Paul. Let, let, let's crack on with the AT&T cool. Byron Nelson. AT&T Byron Nelson... A new host course this week, TPC Craig Ranch. Now, this always used to be played at Las Colinas. Uh, they then moved it to the um, the Faux Links. Trinity Forest. Trinity Forest, which I, didn't, I never thought was given much of a chance by no. the PGA Tour. They had a four-year um, agreement with it, and that's been cancelled. So... They've now moved it to TPC Craig Ranch, which of course is their own golf course because it's part of the TP the player uh, what they call it TPC Network, which is PGA Tour effectively. Um, this golf course is in McKinney, in Dallas itself. So this is Jordan Spieth's hometown of Dallas. Uh, there are many many others who are based in Dallas. Well worth doing a piece of research if you think that local links is something that you want to get into this week. I know for a fact that Sung Kang uses this as his practice facility. And that's interesting with Kang because Kang, of course, is the defending champion because he won the last one at Trinity Forest. And that was played on Zoysia Grass Fairways. And we'll talk about a little bit more about Zoysia in a while. But Zoysia quite a rare grass on the PGA Tour. And then this golf course also has Zoysia Grass Fairway. So there's a guy that practices here at, at uh, TPC Craig Ranch and then went and won the last AT&T that they played at um, the previous golf course. I always forget the name. You, you just said it, Barry. What was it called? Trinity Forest. Trinity Forest, yeah. So they're, they're, I know that most of the Koreans are based this. Um, so Siwoo Kim, for example, is definitely a Dallas guy, as is Kung Hung Lee. So there's there's plenty with local links. Um, I think Hunter Mayhan's based here as well. But, uh, and, of course, Bryson DeChambeau. So if you want to look at that, Ryan Palmer's another. A lot of Dallas, Texas-based PGA Tour play, pros playing this week. Something to look into. The golf course itself, 7,468 yards. It has water hazards on 13 of them. Um, it is a par 72. I need to um, change that on my review, I think, Paul. I'm listing it as a par 71, I believe. Which is very slack of me because I've been telling you guys for the last five weeks it's a par 72. Uh, yeah, can par you doesn't matter, there, Paul. Part it's a par seven. Paul can change it on my. Oh, par's irrelevant too. Par's irrelevant. It does like it makes a tiny bit of a psychological difference. I would imagine between a par four and a par five, like a long par four versus a short par five. You know, just that needing well, to get a birdie on it. Whereas if you just get a par in it, you feel there's just a there's a small difference. But yeah, 
ultimately it's who, who shoots I've the lowest no number. I've no idea why I've put on my preview it's a 71 when I've been saying for the last five days it's a 72. I tell you why, it's because the yeah. golf course was designed as a 71. The PGA Tour have come to town and said, no, 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 no. We don't want to. We don't want to play that tough par, uh, five hundred and forty-seven yard twelfth as a par five, a par four. We'll make it a very easy par five. Um, and this is the point here. This golf course itself has. Uh, it's a. It's a Tom Weiskopf design, two thousand and four. And whatever you read about TPC Craig Ranch, it's all about the facilities. It's a fantastic facility. The practice facilities are fantastic. The restaurants, the eateries, the everything about this place is fantastic. Where you stay is great. Come and stay here. But they don't really tend to mention the golf course. Uh, so I, from what I'm re- hearing and reading and from what I've seen with my own eyeballs over here in um, just outside of London in the southeast of England, it's difficult. But it would seem to be an easy golf course, a golf course with not a lot of reference points to it, really. It's the kind of place that the PGA Tour would go to the week before a major and say to the guys, do you, do you want to shoot 24 under this week, guys? Well, you, you, you go and fill, fill your bit. I'll tell you what we'll even do. We'll even make it easier by making the toughest uh, hole on the golf course a par five for you. Um, other worthy notes, um, we've got the Zoysia grass fairways. We've got... Bermuda grass rough at two and a half inches. I don't think that'll play any part whatsoever. The holes are tree lined, but apparently the fairways are like the uh, number one runway at Heathrow. They are wide as you like, and they are. And this is real. This is worthy of note. I think the Zoysia is worthy of note. The, they are bent grass greens. So we've actually f- at last this week moved away. From Bermuda grass or Bermuda grass base greens. We're dealing with bent grass for only the second time so far in 2021. Bent grass greens this week. And we often see different names start to pop up when greens change from Bermuda grass to bent grass. I mean, for example, I was all over looking at Keith Mitchell, for obvious reasons, played brilliantly last week. But when you look at Keith Mitchell and you look at his results, most of his contending performances do come on Bermuda grass or Paspalum greens. He's had a top seven or eight, I think, somewhere like um, Houston on bent grass. Although they weren't pure bent grass greens back at the Golf Club of Houston. But he's also played well at the John Deere Classic. So he can play well on bent grass. But most of his top contending performances and his win of course came on Bermuda grass so that's the kind of just the small intricacies I've been looking at who performs better on bent grass over Bermuda grass another player of course that we know wins all of his titles so far on Bermuda grass is Siwoo Kim this is bent grass so you know there's there's ways of looking at it of of course there's ways of cutting the cake but 7,468 yards it's a par 72 I personally think with no win for the first two days. I think it, it's difficult to say we're recording this on a Tuesday, but it looks like there could be wind over the weekend. But the first two days look flat calm. I think they're going to take this apart. That's my feel on it. Yeah, it it does look like... I had a look at the uh, course flyovers last night and things looked quite generous off the tee. So... 
generous it's, up to it's, yeah, 6,800 square feet bent grass greens. They're saying a tournament stimp of sort of 11, 11 and a half. None of this is going to scare any of these pros whatsoever. Uh, they're going into the 20s this week, aren't they? Yeah, it feels, it feels 20 underish, doesn't it? Yeah. So, I always tend to think um, it, it's a fun. It's always been a funny event. This for me. I mean, you look at the, you look at previous winners of this, and you look at their world rankings, and it's also funny on the basis that it's not funny in terms of humour, but it's the week before the PGA Championship, and again, we we often you know of the top boys who who are, who are focused on this or. I read an interview with DeChambeau, and I know DeChambeau will be popular. People are saying this is a bomber's golf course. He can just rip. He can destroy it. There's a couple of drivable par fours on the back. Um, there's one at 330 yards, the 14th. He's got to be licking his chops on that one. There's one on the front, a 361-yard par four. I thought he's licking his chops with that. But I haven't seen Bryson DeChambeau the week before so far win a tournament. Um, and that's the kind of angle I'm looking at. I, I'm looking at players that have played well on Zoysia. Zoysia grass fairways. Now, just for research purposes, Zoysia grass is incumbent at TPC Southwind, where they used to play the St. Jude Classic. They now play the WGC St. Jude Invitational, which Paul Williams covers every year. So that's Zoysia Grass. Zoysia Grass is also at Eastlake, where they play the Tour Championship every year. So we've got something to go off here. Zoysia Grass was incumbent at Trinity Forest, where they played the 2018 and the 2019 AT&T. Sun Kang, of course, defending champion. They also played Zoysia Grass, the 2011 PGA Championship, which was won by Keegan Bradley at Atlanta Athletic. And also the one that was won by... Brooks Kepka, the 2018 PGA at Bell Reeve. Um, also, so that those are the courses there that we've got Zoysia Grass records for. The other angle I've looked at is just the world rankings of players that have won this. If I go back to Jason Duffner, Duffner and Garcia were both in the top 20. I mean, Duffner was 21st, Garcia was 15th. But we've then got... Bay, Sungman, Sangmoon Bay was 106th, Todd 136th, Bowditch 127th. We had Horschel at 76th, Aaron Wise was 99th and Sung Kang 138th. So, there's quite a range there between you know, 100 out to 140-ish on the official World Golf Rankings. So, players of that in that kind of regions could be something, I certainly something I've looked at. Players that are on an upward swing. I mean... I know for a fact, because I saw a message from you yesterday, Barry, that you're keeping with Charles Sparzel this week. And I'm on him as well. So, spoiler alert, I've gone for four this week. One of them is Charles Sparzel, who has played fantastically at TPC Southwind. He was second there to Daniel Berger in 2017. So, he's played well on the Zoysia grass fairways in the past. And when we're talking about a switch from Bermuda grass to bent grass, I know that Charles Svartzel has won on Bermuda grass. I know that he won the Valspar. But he's a Masters champion. And if you look at his European Tour victories, you know, it's just a whole catalogue of them in South Africa, isn't there? Royal Johannesburg 2010 and 2011, Leopard Creek 2012, 2013, 2015. He won at the Pretoria Country Club in 2016. I think a switch this week from Bermuda grass putting surfaces to bent grass putting surfaces 
might be the switch that Charl needs to actually get the putter working. And we know Charl T to green recently has been phenomenal. He was fourth strokes gained approach and third for strokes gained T to green last week at Quail Hollow, which is a proper big boys golf course. And across my eight-week trackers, um, he's 10th for G uh, greens in regulation, 10th for strokes gained approach, 14th tee to green, and 17th for strokes gained current form. So I'm in on Charles Svartzel. That's one player that I've taken. 66 to 1, I've got eight places each way with Coral on Charles Svartzel this week. Right. At, I, I, I entered this week with the mindset of I'm not, I'm not going to force any tips. I just want them to come naturally to me. And I want players that, just looking through the research and where they've played well and how they're playing, just fit nicely. So they've basically forced themselves onto me backing them. The three I came up with were Svartzel at 66-1. to I think Aaron Wise at 66-1. to I got him eight places each way of 50 odds with Paddy Power. I think Wise is a, he's a, he's a must-back for me this week. He won at Trinity Forest in 2018. So he won on Zoysia Grass fairways that week. And you just look at his three professional wins. They've come at 19 under at on the Canadian Tour. He shot 21 under where when he won on the Corn Ferry Tour. And he shot 23 under when he won this AT&T Byron Nelson in 2018. And if you look at his last three top 10 finishes on the PGA Tour, they came at 18 under and 19 under at the Mayakoba Classic in 2020, so part of this season. And then he finished 8th at the Barracuda Championship up out there in the desert, out near Reno, uh, out in... Uh, is that Nevada? Yeah, it is, yeah, I think it's Nevada, yeah. yeah. He shot 23 birdies that week when finishing 8th, and that's played on that modified Stableford scoring system. He topped birdies that week, um, wise. He comes to the party when scoring is low. It's fact. And when I just saw him um, just playing, I think he made the cut at one, one over, and then he, he basically shot 5 under last week across the weekend at Quail Hollow. A golf course he has finished second at in the past, I get that. Only McElroy, Anser, Victor and DeChambeau shot lower weekend totals than Aaron Wise last week. He was fifth for strokes gained tee to green at Quail Hollow. The year he won this, he'd finished second at Quail Hollow and then the, he came here and he won the AT and T Byron Nelson. So I just I, I love Wise. I think Wise has got a great. I mean, he's a real ball striker. Again, with Wise, it tends to be the putter. But even the putter was warming up Saturday and Sunday at Quail Hollow. That makes him a danger. I think he's uh, currently ranked one thirty in the world. And the other one I took forced myself into my tips this week. He won't pop models. Never does. But he's an eight. He's a nine-time winner on the PGA Tour. And we've been noticing recently a definite uptrend with this player. Up until the start of April, he's 160th in the FedEx Cup standings. He was nowhere. And then, um, I think he'd, he'd had seven 2021 starts. He'd only elicited 32nd at Torrey Pines and 68th at Bay Hill and five missed cuts. He was in a complete mess. Then, 
Valero Texas Open, he finished. Um, he was fourth after 36 holes and finished sixth. That's where I took note. He had a smile on his face. His approach play was fantastic. Since then, 42nd at the RBC Heritage. He was first stroke, uh, first for strokes gained around the green. That won't surprise you when I say his name. He then went to TPC Louisiana for the team event where he was with Keith Mitchell. He finished fourth. And then last time out at Valspar, he was 11th. He was 9th after 54 holes going into Sunday. He finished 11th. He's a nine-time PGA Tour winner. But actually, his, um, his numbers across my eight-week trackers are at really strong, very strong for this particular individual. It's Branch Snedeker, by the way, who I've taken 90-1, to one, eight places with Paddy Power. But he's um, he's 12th for putting average, putts per GIR. Well, that won't surprise you with Brand Schnedeker. But from a strokes game perspective, he's 17th for approach. This was the number. 10th for tee to green for Brand Schnedeker. Yeah. 16th for putting. And he's 6th over the last eight weeks for strokes gained current form. I'll take the 90 to 1. Yeah, there's definitely something being percolated with Brent for a little while now, and uh, yeah, I, mean, I just saw I just saw him at Valero. He was joshing with his caddy. He was just enjoying being in the mix. And again, that's a Texas golf course, long par seventy two. Um, oh, Snedeker, he's won twice at Torrey Pines, so the length of the course doesn't worry me this week. I think it's well within his wheelhouse. But he's just the sort of an ex elite player who knows how to win who can take out this kind of tournament, can take out this kind of tournament, no no problem at all if he can get himself in contention. Yeah, gets that putter going again. It's, uh, it's such a such a potent weapon for him, isn't it? So he's at 90 to 1, which I thought was a fantastic price. I took Wise at 66s and I took Charles Spartzel at 66s. Um, another player of note that I haven't backed is who I think could go well this week, is one... This might be one that you selected, Paul, because he's right in your wheelhouse. Jonathan Vegas, 125-1. to 1. Vegas is playing some really nice golf at the moment. He's a two-time winner on bent grass greens up in Canada. I just think Vegas, he's the one that didn't make it for me. And as we know with Johnny, he won the Bob Oak Lottery all those years ago. Low scoring events, and Puerto Rico was where he popped up this year. Vegas could be right in the mix this week, I think. But yeah, I, could, I I should have added in, but I didn't. So could, could be a consideration for DraftKings again. Yeah, I think Vegas is up there. Do you? I, I've I've taken one at the very top, and I'll I'll go through that latterly. We've got a, about four minutes to go. So you two run through who you you are taking this week at the Byron Nelson. Don you go, Barry? Uh, okay, I've also gone Schwarzel. He did well to finish that low down last week, considering how um, how hot he was tee to green. He finished twentieth, so I, I, even though his price is uh, chopped this week, I have to stay with him now because I lose my mind if he goes well. And maybe that's what I'm kind of banking on. The switch of surface will kind of unlock the putter a little bit. So uh, he better be trying everything this week and every single putter <laughs> on the testing green. Um, his he's, last top five on the PGA Tour was on bent grass up at um, TPC, uh, the one they play in Minnesota. Yeah, three M Open. I'd say he's losing his mind hitting the ball that well and not getting the results to match it. So, mm. uh, yeah. fingers crossed, something clicks for him this week. 
the the next angle I took was uh, again again based on uh, sorry it wasn't based on driving this week because it should be pretty easy for most guys this week. It was to go with greens and reg and strokes gained approach this week because I figure this is the, the, the guys who are best at that will give themselves the most opportunities on a course that's going to be scoring quite low. So uh, one that popped in the, the right kind of mix of price and uh, whatnot for me was Doug Gim. So mm-hmm. I dug a little deeper into it and it would appear that he doesn't really enjoy putting on, he doesn't really enjoy putting full stop but particularly on Bermuda grass greens. So again, I'm looking at this switch to bent um, seems to match up a little bit better with his kind of uh, hitting at least flat for putting or having a slightly positive strokes gain for the week. So that's the angle on Gim. Um, Paul, jump in there for one while I pull up the data on the next. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've only backed two actually. Um, first on Scott Piercy at 150 to one. Um, what I liked last week about Piercy was that he led the field for par breakers, uh, 21 birdies and an eagle last week. Finished 11th, fourth for strokes gained tee to green, which, which was his best um, effort on that count since finishing second in this event back in 2019. He's got a record week 50, 50 to one. Yeah, yeah, well, 150 yeah. to 1 he is this week, so yeah. He was outstanding uh, last week too, to own, yeah, Pierce. Yeah, he was really good. Um, decent record on Texas as well. It's obviously got that second Byron, now, uh, second Byron here in 2019. Um, fifth also in the same event, 2015. 10th in Houston, 2015th. 7th at the Dean and DeLuca back in 2017. So some decent Texan form. And you look at his wins, um, 2011, then 2012, 2015, 2018. Nice little sequence going there if he wins in 2021. Uh, 15 under, 17 under, 19 under, and then 22 under in the Zurich, which was his um, pairs event win. So clearly can score, clearly got the birdies flowing last week as well. So um, I That's thought 150 to one, yeah, with with eight places, I, I, I'm quite happy to take that. Um, the other one I've taken is Satoshi Kodaira. You mentioned a second ago, 300 to one with eight places. I thought there was no reason not to give him a go after he found some form last week. Um, I remember when he finished twenty what twenty eighth at the Masters, and then won mm-hmm. at Harbour Town the following week. He kind of flashed that bit of form the first week, and then just went bang the second. And new course, no disadvantage in terms of course form or history. Fifth for strokes game putting, as you mentioned a second ago for Kadira. So at the price, I thought I'd give him a go each way. Um, and of course, Matt Every's playing this week, so he's up at three hundred and fifty to one first round leader. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no ne- other explanation. Never required. say die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that's me. <laughs> my uh, my final was Peter Uline. So playing has a hot streak results. Had a win there recently on the KFT, and he's in a he's in a twenty fourth in the KFT rankings. And he's 152nd, I think, if my memory serves correct, from a check a little before the show on the FedEx Cup list. So he's just about, you know, a decent performance will bump him up towards that 125. And uh, so he's got that uh, achievable kind of goal to getting to get into that 125 and then maintain it for the rest of the year to get his car, full card. So uh, a couple of good results at this particular event, not necessarily the course the last couple of years. And uh, they all matched up to give me was it eighty to one? Eighty to one, eight places. Yeah. yeah. 
Fair enough. There was a, I've got about four minutes, so let me. I'm going to focus here. PJ Splits 101 on Twitter, well worth a follow. He's helped me out in the past, PJ Splits. He comes up with some fantastic data. Top six players strokes gained um, across the weeks before a major from 2016 onwards. Daniel Berger at one, Kuchar at two, Ketka at three, Fowler at four, Matsuama at five, Jordan Spieth at six. So there's some interesting names straight away. Pre, um, I just looked at tournaments that have been... in. Uh, I, I looked at majors, who's done well at majors in the week before. Um, forget about the Bridgestone Invitational and the and the, the one they play at Southwind. WGCs are going to throw up big names. But I just thought it was interesting. 2019 US Open, the week before the Canadian Open, McElroy won at 10-1. to And then 2018, the week before the US Open, at Southwind, which was the um, the St. Jude Classic then, DJ won 7-1, 10-1. to So that got me thinking. Um, I know that PGA Championship uh, 2019, Sun Kang won this, but that field was weak. Very, very weak that week. Kepka, I think, was something like 17-2 um, to 2 or 15-2 to 2 that week, and he came close to winning that. So Kepka almost took that out at a short price as well. I think one of the big names will get in it. The most likely, uh, the one I'm going to fade, my fade of the week is John Rahm. I think if you look at the top, it was top four, but DJ's now withdrawn. I wouldn't have taken DJ either. The two I was interested in and spent a lot of time looking at were DeChambeau. You know, we're talking about a golf course with wide fairways, Bombers Paradise. I think he clearly DeChambeau can go well. Um, and we know that he takes out um, tournaments on a, a regular basis. But I actually took Jordan Spieth. And here are, here are the reasons why I took Jordan Spieth. He has two wins in Texas. He has five further top fives in Texas and a further four top tens in Texas. So a win, five top fives, and four top tens. That's pretty mad, all in his home state of Texas. Seven of his 12 wins have been the outing prior to or a major. So seven of 12 wins, the outing before a major or a major itself. That's pretty crazy. You look at my eight-week trackers. Second for putting average. Well, that won't surprise you. It's Jordan Spieth. But these numbers here are crazy. Second for off the tee, strokes gained. Second for approach, first for around the green, first for tee to green, 13th for strokes gained putting. Strokes gained current form, he's first across my eight-week trackers. Pretty crazy. Then you look at the fact that this tournament in his hometown of Dallas has always been the one that he stated is the most important to him. They gave him his first ever professional tournament outing when he was a 16-year-old. Incredibly enough, back then, I think it was 2010, might be wrong. He was 16, he was in the top 10 after 54 holes as a 16-year-old. They used to play that at Las Colinas, he never got on with the golf course. I just think this new golf course, the way that he's playing and the way that he holds this tournament so close to his heart, he's going to be arriving here really wanting to focus and have a huge week here. He won, of course, two outings ago in the Valera Texas Open. He was absolutely dominant from tee to green at the Masters, but the putter let him down that particular week that Matsuama won. I'm just all over Jordan Spieth. I managed to get Spieth while DJ was in the field. Three points each way. I got. I took 12 to 1 with William Hill, eight place each way, 50 odds. 
So I've gone for Spieth at the top. My fade of the week will be John Rahm. So for me, just to, to uh, just to close that, Spieth, at t I managed to get at 12s. I've also taken Svartzel at 66s, Aaron Wise at 66s, and Brandt Schnedeker at 90 to 1. I, should I think that's us. I should also add Seamus Power. I'm not missing that this week. Oh, you're putting power in, I. Yeah, well, look at. I think the length will help. He likes. Yep. He likes shooting low numbers. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Two, Would you be interested first round leader on power? Because I know he goes. He does well in that as well. I'm just hunting that down on Boyle Sports right now, which seems to have the best uh, combo of odds and play and places. I'll 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 put your I'll put my Seamus Power up against your Matt Every for first round leader Paul for a point. <laughs> Chase each other down the bottom of the league. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should be some Obviously. good action this week. Some very yeah. good action across the Belfry and, ac and across the Byron Nelson. Yeah, and don't forget that the Belfry. Sorry, don't forget that the Belfry yeah. starts on Wednesday. Yes. So you got to be fast. We will be recording tomorrow our PGA Championship research podcast. I always love the research podcast that we do. Um, so looking forward to that immensely. We will hope to release that Wednesday evening over here in the UK or tea time. If it's at the very latest, it will be Thursday morning. But yeah, looking forward to that immensely. Are you looking forward to it, gentlemen? Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for your time, gents. I hope your bets go well. Yeah, best of luck, guys. And thank you to the listeners. We will be back later this week with our PGA, uh, 2021 PGA Championship Research Podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget five-star reviews. They would be much appreciated. I will read them out in our PGA Championship Podcast next week. See you later. Thanks. Bye-bye. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf